Welcome to Grace Bible Fellowship Sermon Archive. Our prayer is that you will be abundantly blessed as you listen to this sermon delivered by Pastor Paul Francisco. Join us as we are pointed to the grace found in Jesus Christ alone, as recorded in God's holy word. The doctrine of eternal security, or someone might, might say the perseverance of the saints, is one of the most important of all the Bible, and the most encouraging of all. This doctrine gives us a certainty and hope. While yet this is true, why is it that so many struggle with assurance of salvation or they doubt their security in salvation? There are several reasons for this. First, there seems to be a faulty understanding in who God is and him being the one who is doing the saving. That is perhaps one of the reasons why one might struggle with this truth. Secondly, wrong beliefs of the method of assurance. Some would include works in salvation, like my former background of the Catholic Church, where I had to do the sacraments. I had to do X, Y, Z of religion of man. Perhaps you've been acquainted with a church that puts an emphasis on something called tongues. And yet they would say that this somehow second baptism of the Holy Spirit is evidence of your salvation. And the list goes on. We live in a day and age where man wants to make his own religion rather than what we would call biblical Christianity, what the Bible actually says about salvation. Thirdly, there it seems to be a doubting of God's faithfulness to actually keep his word. Fourth, there are those who would doubt God's power to both not only save, but keep us in the faith. There's this idea that we could lose our salvation. Fifthly, we see another reason for why those who would struggle with assurance or security and salvation is perhaps there is a presence of sin in one's life. And therefore they have the guilt of that sin on them and they feel as if they have no salvation any longer. Christians, I want to share with you through this text this morning how you should both know and believe with certainty through the grace of God, as the text says, that he is able to keep us through all eternity. Jude's letter has reminded us of who we are in the faith and the greeting in our position. Then he has given us an exhortation to contend for the faith that was once and for all given to us. Then he goes on to give us many warnings against false teachers and converts using both Old Testament examples and examples of non-canonical books. Now he wants followers of Christ to know that they are going to be secured, as he describes it, in great joy, everlasting joy. 
And so this morning, as we come to these two verses, these last two verses, these great verses of encouragement, I want you to see these two things, that we are secured for everlasting joy because believers are secured by the power and promise of God. Secondly, we are secured for everlasting joy because believers are secure for the person and praise of God. So as we look at our text this morning, in verse 24, we see, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory and great joy. Friends, if you call yourself a believer, a follower of Christ, I want you to remember these following questions. Are you amazed that you're a Christian? Are you amazed that you believe? Perhaps if you've been a Christian for many years, are you amazed that you still are? If you know that only God is able and powerful enough to save you. Do you think he is powerful enough to keep you saved? Jude's closing doxology should fill you with amazement and wonder. If you're in Christ, the pure fact that you are a Christian should leave you with awe. The fact that God saves rebels such as us is amazing grace. Hallelujah. However, I am often dumbfounded to think that I wake up every morning and I still believe. I'm compelled to move on. Keep believing. Keep following. How is it possible, despite our sins, despite the lack of faith and the doubts that we are kept. But God, but Christ, but the Spirit, our triune God is able. Now to him who is able to keep you. Jude's statement is profound and begins with God. Every theology of salvation would either start with God or with man. I love how Daniel Aiken puts it here. He says, the author of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. Jude began his epistle telling us we are kept for Christ in verse 1. You see that there? Now he closes by telling us that we are kept from stumbling and falling prey to false teaching by him who is able. Jude's statement tells us two very important things about our security. First, it tells us that God will preserve us. God will preserve us. And secondly, it shows us that God will protect us. By understanding these truths of the text, we can know that it is the power and promise of God that is able. What is our Lord able to do? Jude declares these truths and what God does. 
The text says, him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you, as my sister repeated several times, blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. First, God keeps us from stumbling. Then he presents us before his glory blameless. Think about that for a moment. In the presence of God in his glory, blameless. Blameless. And lastly, he presents us before his glory with great joy. Not just our joy, but he has great joy, exceeding joy for you, children of God. Think about that for a moment. Not only is Christ able to save us by his great grace, he is able to keep us. Not just keep us in the faith, but also to keep us from stumbling by the Holy Spirit working in us. And if that's not enough to keep us in humble awe, Christ presents us blameless in the presence of the Father's glory. And there is great joy. This is precisely why Jude celebrates the next verse. So God will preserve us in Christ. He preserves us so that we believe and know that we have eternal life. Jude puts it this way in his epistle in 1 John Chapter 5, verse 13. You can write that down or turn there if you want. 1 John 5, 13. He says this, I write these things to you who believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life. The doctrine of eternal security is absolutely necessary to a correct understanding of the gospel and the truth of the Bible's concept of eternal life or everlasting life. The bottom line is this, if it can be lost, it is not eternal. If we can lose it, it is not everlasting. If we can work our way out of salvation, our salvation is ultimately dependent on us and not God. The Baptist Faith and Message 2000 also speaks to this in Article 5. It reads as following. It says, all true believers endure to the end. Those whom God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by his spirit will never fall away from the state of grace, but shall persevere to the end. Jesus recorded in John's gospel, chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Jesus says these words. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and the one is able, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is a promise. And God keeps his promises, beloved. He will keep you from stumbling. And no one, not even Satan in all the demonic world, can snatch us out of his hand. Praise be to God. 
The promise is both personal and individual, corporate and all-encompassing. For every child of God, the one preserves us, the one who preserves us in God, the one who protects us from stumbling is our Father. We are related to him who has the sovereign power to keep us through his son, Jesus Christ. The father declares it so, but Christ makes it possible. And the spirit is the one who is leading us. And all of this is so that we are presented blameless before his glory. Eternal security as a Christian is grounded in God's power and promise, not ours. So we are kept. But kept where? Kept for what? We are kept in the presence of his glory. This is the place because his promise to bring our salvation to completion, we will see his glory. We will know and see his glory not temporary, but forever. This will be our greatest joy. So we are kept in the most joyous place, the presence of his glory. And we are kept so that we are blameless before his glory. To present you blameless before the presence of his glory, the text says, being blameless means unblemished. We will be without fault or reproach. This is the same idea applied to Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. When Peter records these words, he says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, okay, ransom, taken away from your evil ways, right? Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of the lamb without blemish or spot. As Daniel Akins puts it, in the same way that God looked on the, his sinless son, whom he placed on the cross as our sacrifice, so he will look on you and me. He will see us as sinless, faultless, and clothed in the imputed righteousness of Christ. Now that's a big theological word, so to explain it in uh, simple terms, that imputed righteousness of Christ means that basically Christ, not only did he take the punishment, he take his, the wrath of God upon himself for our punishment. He took our place, but he was completely holy completely righteous. So his imputed righteousness was passed on to us. Not because of anything we did. All of this is a work. Our life is God's work, not ours. Our life is not ours, but his. I love how John Piper says it. He says, and this spiritual life that we have is not ours. Intrinsic, intrinsic I can't say this word, intrinsically. It is not ours autonomously. We have this life to the degree that we have the Holy Spirit in us and to the degree that we are united to Christ, which 
are interwoven realities. It is not the kind of spiritual life that we would have if the Spirit left us or we were not united to Christ. We would not be alive. If we were not united to Christ by the Spirit, our life is Christ's life, the Spirit's life, the giving of this life, and the moment-by-moment sustaining and keeping of this life and the stirring up of this life so that it treasures holiness and ministry. That is a work of God. Therefore, by being in the presence of his glory, blameless, we will share in his joy. Jude says in his presence there will will be exceedingly great joy. There will be a celebration with rejoicing and exaltation. And we can catch a glimpse of this this joy in Revelation 19 in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Go ahead and turn with me, beloved, in Revelation chapter 19. Let's look at this, this marriage supper of the Lamb. Four times you see in chapter 19 the word hallelujah repeated. Four times at the beginning in verse 1 of chapter 19. After this I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth, her immorality, and has avenged her the blood of his servants. And once more they cried out, hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And then what happens? The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down, worshiped God, who was seated on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, what's the word again? Hallelujah! (coughs) For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns, and let us rejoice and exalt him. Give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen and bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage of the supper of the lamb. Think about this, beloved great joy and rejoicing and exaltation of the celebration of being invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And if we are in Christ, this is the promise and power of God in secured. Secured for all eternity, forever and ever. Therefore, we ought to praise the one who is able. And that is our second point this morning, security for the person and praise of God. The text says, to only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Saints. 
Do we have any idea of the degree? Any idea of the measure of divine glory and majesty and power and authority that it took to give us spiritual life when we were dead? As Ephesians says, dead in our trespasses. And to keep us spiritually alive, not just for a moment, but moment by moment by moment till Christ returns. Jude's statement here recognizes the depth of God's attributes being measured. This is the way doxologies work, right? Doxology means praise, praise, glorify, giving praise and worship and honor. They refer first to something that God has done or will do, and we saw that in verse 24, right? To the one who is able to present us, blameless, in the presence of his glory. And then they ascribe the attributes to God that account for that action or are expressed in that action. And Jude is celebrating in his doxology the character and the attributes of God. We are secured in eternal salvation so that we would praise him. Jude praises God because he is able able to present us, to keep us, to put us in the presence of his glory. His expression in these three acts of God is God's glory, majesty, and power, and authority. Eternal security has its source in the person and character of God. An intimate, personal, and biblical understanding of God will aid our assurance and confirm our confidence in the Lord who saves and saves completely. Isn't that great news, Christian? God's person is given to us in verse 25. It says, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This declaration shows us that God is both sovereign and Savior. He is the only God. Mono Theo, only God. Jude is quick and concise. He is the only God, the only Lord, the only sovereign to whom, with whom we must reckon and give account. All will stand before him. None will escape. He is sovereign, but for those who know him, he is more still. Our God is a saving God. He is the saving triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father saves us, the Son secures us, and the Spirit seals us. God did not save us to lose us. He saved us to keep us, and that's the kind of God he is. And Jude closes his letter with a fourfold acknowledgement of this measurement. Of course, God's absolutely, absolute ability is immeasurable. However, the measurement of what it took God to sustain our life with great joy before the presence of his glory is revealed to us in verse 25. Do you see that? It took glory. It took majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Do we know the degree of glory, majesty, and power, and authority that it took? 
No, we don't. We have no terms of measurement for such glory and majesty and power and authority. But God creates spiritual life when we are dead and we had no spiritual life. Then the spirit acted in us and now we are spiritually alive in Christ. Therefore, we are secured in Christ for all eternity for the person and character of God. And we are secured in Christ for the praise of God. And that's why we see the word glory. Glory is the honor rightly ascribed to God for who he is and what he has done. In one sense, glory is not what God has, but who he is. Glory is the outward manifestation of the inner essence and character of God. He is absolutely holy and good. There is none that can bestow glory perfectly. And there is none that can be the perfect glory except God. Secondly, we praise him for his majesty. This speaks to the Lord's greatness, his marvelous transcendence, and his status as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is absolutely sovereign over all the creation, and his greatness is spread through all of creation because he has majesty. Next, we praise God for his power. Power or dominion speaks of his control over all creation. He is, here's another big theological work, omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. He is not limited by might, space, or time. The past is his. The future is his. And the present is his. He has dominion over all things. Lastly, we praise him for his authority. This informs us that all things are in his hands. The world is not existing without his permission. Kingdoms rise and they fall by his command. So if your political candidate didn't get in office, God is sovereignly in control over that. Do not place your faith in man. God is in control. Kingdoms do rise and they fall at his word, at his command. And nothing can be hidden from God. He has all right and authority to every aspect of creation. You know what this means? This means that nuclear annihilation is not possible. Because God did not declare it so this means that missionary failure is not possible because God has declared it so. God does not need you, beloved, and he does not need me 
but he delights in offering you to take part in the story of his glory through all times. It's an invitation to the, the supper of the lamb. And losing our salvation is not possible because God has declared it so. Because he has, as that children's song many of you might have learned, because he has the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. What can we do to help people settle the issue and gain the security they should experience in Christ? What can we do, brothers and sisters? What can we do, saints? What can we do, Christian? For those who are struggling with this understanding and truth of what the Bible teaches about salvation, that we cannot lose what he did, that he will complete the good work that he has begun. We must, we must by his work, point them to the cross, point them to God's word on the cross that Jesus obtained our salvation. Through the blood-stained cross is where we come to the pivotal point of knowing the truth, to receiving the gift that is not of our own doing, but is a gift of God. And it's by his work in heaven, Jesus maintains our salvation. You want to be encouraged, brothers and sisters? Go to Romans chapter 8. Who's interceding on our behalf? Jesus and the Spirit. We are not left alone. Jesus himself is praying for you right now. Right now, at this very moment, just in the great high priest prayer when he says, thank you, Lord, for all the father food, for all that you have given me. He, he is interceding on your behalf and none will be snatched out of his hand. Do you believe the gospel and trust Christ? Do you experience remorse over sin and have a desire to please God? Do you see any evidence of fruit in your life? How about this? When you sin, do you experience the discipline of the Father and conviction of the Spirit in your life? If the answer to these things are true, this should give you great hope. These are evidences of God's dealing inwardly what you're professing outwardly. And if the answer is no, then that's when you need to heed the words about examining yourselves to see if you're in the faith. If they go out from us, they were never part of us. But you who've been marked by the blood of Jesus can never leave. He who is powerful enough to save you is power enough, powerful enough to keep you. And he is able to present you blameless in the presence of his glory. These are not complicated theological questions, but the correct answer should characterize the Christian life. 
You see, Jude is clearly amazed at what it takes to sustain spiritual life, to keep it from collapsing, and to bring it to glory, blameless and happy. He must sense what it takes to keep us believing, alive, and very great. How does God keep us alive? Keep us believing and serving every day when we rise up and when we lie down? God does it through glory, majesty, power, and authority. That's what it takes. The glory and majesty and power and authority that it takes to keep you and me alive in Christ, to keep us praying and trusting, to keep us in love of God was secured for us sinners when Christ died for us. Therefore, the glory and majesty and dominion and authority that keeps us from falling and presents us blameless and joyful to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the covenant. And therefore, when we ascribe ascribe glory and majesty and dominion and authority to God, we do it through Jesus Christ. This is why when I consider my own salvation, how I'm constantly in awe not only that Christ would choose a weak and pitiful man as myself, even grant mercy to save me. But I am amazed that I wake up every morning and I still am a Christian. Are you amazed by the glory of God through salvation? Through the majesty of God in security? Through the dominion and power of God to save and able to keep us? If he keeps us beloved, and therefore, if we are in Christ, we must be about sharing the gospel with the lost and dying world. We must not keep this truth to ourselves. We must testify to the hope that lies within us. Don't underestimate the power of the blood of Christ to keep you from falling. It's power was at work before all time. It is a work now, and it is, and it will be a work forever. Your keeping began before creation. It is happening now at this very moment, and it will never end. Let's listen to how the psalmist records it in Psalm 121, verses 3 through 8. He says these words, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Isn't that good news? Therefore, true Christians are secured for everlasting 
joy because they are secured by the power and promise of God. And they are secured for the person and praise of God. In the end, God wins. He is glorious and majestic. He has dominion and he has power. And for his glory, he will keep you. For his majesty, he will keep you. Through his power, he will keep you. By his authority, he will keep you. And friends, God's mercy and grace is extended to all through Jesus Christ. The Lord seeks to be infinite in his mercy and grace, in his glory and majesty, a power and authority to all. But there is a judgment that will come to those who have not repented and trusted in Christ. Hell is real. It's not a myth. It's not some bad place. Let us not mock his glory, majesty, and power, authority today. Instead, trust in Jesus. Receive this gift of eternal life that lasts forever, that one day he will present you blameless in the presence of his glory. If you are tired and heavy laden, that's okay. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. That's what Jesus declares. Brothers, friends, sisters, the only thing we contribute in salvation is our sin. Give it to him. Come to him today. And then we will close our time with these words penned by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verses 38, 39. Apostle Paul says this. Depending on your translation, you might say convinced, persuaded, but he says that I am convinced or I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor hype nor death nor any creature could separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord that his word is sufficient for our every need. Join us next time as we continue our study of God's infallible Word. We would also love to have you join us in person at Grace Bible Fellowship. We meet together each Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. for Connection Sunday School and from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our worship service. We're located at 1385 Northwestern Drive on the west side of El Paso along with our hosting sister church, Mission de Gracia. If you have any questions, you can dial 915-308-1208 or visit our website at www.gracebibleelpaso.org. We would love to see you this Sunday as GBF gathers to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ.